0: Hey friends, it's Dr. Swetha here with my latest podcast episode. So it's actually in an interview that I did a couple of years ago, but part of my process and whatever I create and put forth in the world and engage with is a co-creation, which basically means that I pay attention to what am I being invited to engage with, what's coming up through signs and synchronicities. If you follow me on Instagram, Sacred Swetha or on my Facebook page, Dr. Swetha Soul Stories, you would know that about me. And with everything that's been going on in the world lately, particularly with regards to suicide and death, this has been something that has really been up. It's been um really, I've been thinking about it a lot, in conversation about it, and I lost both of my parents. It's been almost about 13 years, both of them, 12 and 13 years. And grief and processing the experience of of losing both of my parents at a pretty early age is something that I would say has definitely been part of my growth process. And after giving birth to my son, uh, it's gonna be seven years, I went through uh, an awakening of sorts, well, first I hit rock a rock bottom of devastation, and then I went through an awakening and part of that experience was um, reconnecting with my mother and uh, he, you know feeling like I was getting messages from her and one thing led to another, and I connected with this woman named uh, jamie turnedoff, Dr. Jamie Turnoff, otherwise known as Dr. Love. And she—you'll hear all about how I connected with her on the podcast interview—but she came up with this. Um, well, first, this just whole concept of our loved ones actually never die, and that we can communicate with them and heal unfinished business, and which I had already organically been experiencing with my mother. In my book, I share about how I discovered that I realized that I was following her dream um, by being a pharmacist. And that was something that I never even knew <laughs> that I was doing. And all of this healing happened with my mother like, while she was not in physical form in my meditations. And so then when I met Dr. Turnoff and, and learned that she actually had a process and a method for it, it helped me connect with my father because with my father, it wasn't so organic. And so I know that there are so many people out there that have lost loved ones and it's affected their lives deeply. And the idea of, you know, when I finally went to therapy to process my grief, because I didn't want my wedding to be all about, uh, you know, not my parents not being there, I um, realized that it wasn't actually about grieving their death so much as opposed as more, more it was more about processing the pain of when they were alive that I never processed. And so it was very surprising to me that that was um, up for me, that that was even an issue. And it was also very liberating to be able to heal um, so much of, of the feelings and experiences that I had had growing up that I never, that I never processed. And it wasn't a one-way conversation. I would get signs and indications um, that they were hearing me and they were responding to me. And I share about some of those in the interview, but meeting Dr. Love was very validating for me. And so I wanted to re-post this podcast interview because um, it just seems that a lot more people are uh, experiencing grief uh, from, from death. And I wanted to offer a tool and a way to be able to stay connected and even grow from the experience. So I hope you gain a lot from the interview. I'd love for you to share with me some of the experiences that you've had after listening to it, if you've tried any of the techniques. And um, so you can just find me on social media. Again, it's Dr. Swetha Soul Stories on Facebook uh you can or message me on instagram sacred Sweatha or visit my website www.drswethacoach.com and send me a message and um once again i hope this really serves and supports you thank you revolutions free your soul free soul just it just it revolution
1: revolution free your soul free your soul just let it come let it come lose control, lose control. Revolution. Revolution. Welcome everybody, this is Dr. Swepa, your host, founder of the Make Your World Bigger Movement, helping you live without limits. And today, boy, are we going to be living without limits. We are going to be talking about another realm with Dr. Love, Dr. Jamie Turnedoff. Dr. Turnedoff is known to millions as Dr. Love on her radio and television personality shows. She's been delighting audiences for decades with her engaging blend of professional expertise and spicy humor. Her success is largely due to her remarkable ability to turn clinical psychobabble into entertaining and easy to understand concepts that transform lives. Dr. Love has authored several books and the book that we will be focusing on today is Love Never Dies, How to Reconnect and Make Peace with the Deceased, where she introduces her new transdimensional grief therapy method. Welcome, Dr. Love. Hi,
2: so glad to be with you, Sveta.
1: Oh, I'm so happy oh, to have you Oh, do you me want me to call today. you
2: Sveta or something else?
1: Oh, you can call me whatever you want, Sveta, Dr. Sveta, whatever you want. Okay. I'm just happy to have you here and you to, talk, to talk about a subject that's near and dear to my heart. And just to kind of give everybody a little bit more of a background of how I got introduced to you, um, I was walking around in the park one day and feeling just really um, disconnected. I had a headache and I was feeling overwhelmed and I had recently made a lot of transformation in my life and I guess I was just feeling kind of stuck. And I was in the park walking around and I kind of just... You know, blurting out a little bit of a prayer. And next thing you know, I get my cell phone out and I put on the Hay House radio app and your show comes on. And it was your actual, actually your very first show. And I was listening to your story, which I know that you're going to share today. And I was just awed because, um, you had described, uh, this. This new therapy that you've come up with on contacting with the disease and in my personal experience I lost both of my parents um, about 10 years ago and I had started to do a lot of inner work and having a lot of transformations and through that I was able to open up an avenue of connecting with my mother um, but not so much with my father and since then, I actually called your radio show, and through you, I was able to connect with my father, and after that, we got to meet, I downloaded your book, and I have been able to connect with my father using your method. So mm-hmm. I just found it to be really valuable, this um, you know, this new method that you've found. Your story is extremely inspiring, and I wanted to share it with everybody that's listening so that... They can use what you have created to have inner peace and connect with deceased ones as well, so welcome and thank you so much for um, offering your gift to the world and If you wouldn 't mind sharing with us how you even you know created this method and what your your own story what, what your own story is
2: okay, so if I tell you my story. There's a little backtracking, but you will understand that the creation of this new Grease Therapy Method came out of my own experiences with my husband in spirit form. So if I can tell you the story, you'll see how it got created. Is that okay?
1: Absolutely.
2: Okay. So, Dr. Sweta, when I was a young girl... I had a premonition of the guy I was going to marry. I actually saw him in my mind's eye, completely fleshed out. So I decided I'm just going to wait until this man that I saw appears. And he did appear. On the first day of my freshman year at Vassar College, I had been shut out of all the intro sociology classes, and the secretary said, go ask the department chair, Jean Pin, see if he can find a place for you in one of the closed sections. The minute I stepped into Jean's office, I had the first and only out of body experience in my life. I felt my soul shooting at high speed through a tunnel to the end of my life. Then it shoots back into my body and I get this message, remember every aspect of this meeting. He's going to be everything to you one day. Now right after we met, I found out that for most of his life, Jean had been one of the most famous Jesuit priests in history. He taught at the Vatican. And he founded a movement called Liberation Theology, designed to fight church oppression from within. He was actually a radical feminist priest, and he, among other things, launched to international fame when he publicly opposed the Pope and the Catholic Church as they were trying to block the legalization of divorce and he didn't want to see women trapped in marriages where they were being abused so he fought on the grounds of religious freedom separation of church and state the church should butt out of the private sector he won got the divorce bill passed changed the course of history for the church and for the italian people and soon after he asked the pope to grant him the dispensation of his vows so that he wouldn't be excommunicated and then he was recruited by vassar where he had been for 10 years until that fateful day that I met him. Now in the senior year of my student life at Vassar, I needed help with the statistical portion of my thesis. And I had heard that Jean had been a statistician, having founded the Vatican's first and only social research center. So even though he wasn't my advisor, I asked him if he would help me, and he cheerfully gave me his time. And within a couple of weeks, we knew. Despite our different cultures, backgrounds, religions, we were absolutely compatible. Twins separated at birth, soulmates. Now, I should say at this point that I was raised by two devout Jewish atheists. And the only religion my parents practiced was religiously hating each other. (laughs) They, They taught me not to believe in God or the afterlife. I never read the Bible or went to synagogue or church. Jean and I never discussed religion, at least not when he was in a body. So here we are from very different backgrounds, were together for 27 years, crazy for each other, inseparable. In the last year of Jean's life, we both started having premonitions that he was going to die of an accident. We just didn't know when or where. So on the day we departed for our vacation in Italy, lightning struck our rose arbor and destroyed it. And then I saw about 50 crows in the yard and I said, this is not good. We went anyway. And while we're sitting on the beach, a bee swoops down and stings his hand at the exact location of Christ's stigmata. And I watched my beloved suffocate to death in front of my eyes. Now, there's no way to describe the trauma of having him ripped from me in this way. And so I'm lying in the hotel bed. I'm shaking, and I'm trembling, and I'm crying. And the next thing I know... I feel his hand stroke the entire length of my spine. I sit bolt upright. I look over my shoulder. Nothing was there, but he was there, and he's been with me ever since, and his astonishing and ongoing manifestations, often in front of witnesses, showed me that we don't die, and therefore our relationships aren't meant to end in death, and so... I created my groundbreaking new trans-dimensional grief therapy method that diverges from the Western approach, which is grief, let go, and move on, which only leaves the bereaved at a greater loss. So instead, my method shows the bereaved how to say hello, not goodbye, without the assistance of a medium, channeler, or psychic. And then there's one more thing. As a shrink, I know that millions of people harbor unfinished business with the dead, and again, Western grief therapy offers us no way of making peace with the deceased. And my new Dialoguing with the Departed technique gives us the first vehicle in history, really, for enabling the bereaved to reconnect and also make peace with the deceased.
1: Wow, that is quite a story. (laughs) (laughs) That really is quite a story. And I like that you share with us that you actually didn't have any upbringing with, you know, a connection to God or any teachings about religion. Um, Nada. (laughs) Nada. And and you're like, you're quite connected now. And would you call yourself a psychic medium?
2: I don't even like labels because, I mean, I definitely talk to everybody. (laughs) All the spirits come through. But, I mean, I just, whatever you want to call it, you want to call it a medium, a channeler, We all, this is the the, the demystifying part of Love Never Dies. We all have the innate capacity to communicate with spirit. And as we get into the talk, I'm going to explain more about why I know that that's true. So, you know, Love Never Dies, what I do with the the book is it's kind of a hybrid. It's my memoir and it's a self-help book. So in part one, I pick up from the night that John left his body, and I continue telling the stories of how he's made his presence known. And then I go on to part two and part three. Do you want me to, to give you some more of those stories from part one?
1: Yeah, and the thing that I would really like for you to share is because what you said, that everybody has access to this. We're going to get into that
2: because it's so important exactly that you need to know you don't need a channeler, a medium, or a psychic. And, yes, on Hay House Radio... You know, what I'm doing is I'm kind of acting like a little training wheel. For everybody who calls in, I help you get started. I help you, you know, hear, you know, because I'm hearing what your loved ones are saying. And I sort of help you build your confidence until you're able to just roll on your own. And and that's what Love right. Never Dies is about. I show you right. how to do this by yourself.
1: And the thing that I wanted to ask you was, did you have this ability you know, before your husband passed away? I mean, you mentioned that you had that experience mm-hmm. when you first met him. But in the interim, you know, between when you met him and when he passed away, did you have any of this, this this strong connection to the spirit world?
2: So I didn't even know that it was spirit because the thing is, I was able to lay hands on people and do distance healings. And I could, uh you know, I could talk to the animals both domestic and wild and they would understand me and I could lay hands on the animals and people. And Jean said to me right before he left his body, you are the most spiritual human being I've ever known. Now I didn't know what he meant. He meant because I was energetically communicating in this way and energetically sending and sending healing signals. So this is the crux of what communicating with spirits is about it's nothing more than sending and receiving energetic signals so i'm going to get to that because there's a certain kind of order in 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 um, the way that i laid this out for everybody listening so first you know i start with the some of the examples so that people know wow these examples are over the top they're unequivocal proof that not only Jean lives on in spirit but so do your loved ones so can Mm -hmm. i share a couple yes please do okay Alright, and then we'll go from there and, I'll, and we'll talk more about how everybody can do this and, uh, and alright, so, so like I said in part one of Love Never Dies, we pick up from the night that Jean stroked my spine and the next thing that really is significant that I'll share with you is when I came back from Italy that, and I was alone in our bed here in New York State and I hadn't slept the whole night and when I wake up the next morning from bed, even though I, wasn't, I hadn't slept, I go down to the kitchen and I hear Jean saying to me, he's like inducing this thought in my mind. It's called thought induction or mind melding, but I didn't know the name of it at the time. I just knew he was telling me something. And he said, Open the back door, I want to show you something. So I open the door and I see on the back door a chipmunk. And the chipmunk is not acting like a normal animal. He's frozen in, in his spot, and his eyes look glazed over, and he's not moving, and he doesn't run away. And the next thing I know, I see him beginning to mimic the way my husband looked when he was suffocating from the bee sting. The chipmunk is ripping at his face the way Jean was ripping at the oxygen mask because the air wasn't getting in, and he was suffocating. And I'm watching the chipmunk with his little hand ripping and ripping and ripping at his face, and of course, tears are raining down my face as I'm watching this, and after about 20 minutes, the chipmunk coughs up a piece of mucus. I literally see him do it, and he's in peace. Now, I knew in some miraculous way Jean had managed to enter this little creature, and I've since called... I've coined the expression open vessels because their animals are naturally open vessels. Both domestic and wild animals are open vessels to be used for spirit communication. Jean entered this open vessel to let me know I'm okay. I'm here and I'm okay. Now, a couple of days later, I had to fax his death certificate to my phone company in order to take his name off the line, and I had made many multi-page faxes throughout the day, no problem, no, no hitches. But when I went to fax his death certificate, the cover letter faxed without a hitch, but the death certificate would not fax. The machine just hung up and froze. I tried with the Obit. Again, cover letter faxes, but the Obit won't fax. So I try twenty times, I give up. The next day, I take all the documents to my lawyer's office. I don't say a word. I just say, "Could you fax these for me?" I'm waiting and waiting about a half hour later. They come out from the back. Crying, They said, Jamie, we tried 20 times. Each time we tried, the cover letter faxes, but the obit and the death certificate would not fax. He's telling you he's not gone. So I go home later that day, and again, I have to fax the obit and the death certificate, and again, it hangs up. So I say to him, Jean, I think you're doing this because you want to keep reminding me that I'm forgetting that you are still here. If I promise to try to remember, will you let this fax go through in its entirety? I feel a tidal wave of love pouring into me, and I know by this feeling he heard me. I cancel the fax, I reissue it, it goes through in its entirety. Now, around this time... I'm walking around wherever I go, strangers. People don't know me, don't know Jean, don't know I'm widowed. They just walk up to me, and they say, your husband says, tell our story. <laughs> so now, around this time, I'm driving in the car, and something tells me I should pray to him. Now, I've never prayed in my life, but I'm going to pray to him now to my, help him Ask him to help my friend Emily find love. Now, Jean didn't know Emily. Emily didn't know Jean. Never even saw each other. It was 4.58, and I know it because as soon as I issued the prayer, I felt, again, that tidal wave of love pouring into me. And I look at the clock, and it's 4.58. That night, Emily phones me. She says, Jamie, I have to tell you what happened to me. I said, what happened? She says, at 4.58, I fell into a trance. She said, your husband appeared to me, and she described what he looked like, and that was Jean. And she said, he told me to find love, follow the gray stones to the church in your neighborhood. Now, by having her repeat my prayer to him, he was proving that he had heard my prayer. So he was affirming his presence in my life, but he was also blessing Emily by sending her to the church. Now, a week later, I go to my professional group, and Emily tells this story. As she tells the story, another member of our group named Mitch, who had been a seminarian, says to Emily, what's the name of the church in your neighborhood? And now she says, the Claremont Church. Well, Mitch gasps. He says, Emily, the Claremont Church is New York's only liberation theology seminary. Well, guess what? Remember, Jean founded liberation theology. (laughs) So again, he was putting his hand on this manifestation. All right. So now here's just one more little story. I'm in the closet crying. Early in my grief, that was my hobby. And I'm thinking, I have to call my friend Ann. I have to call her. No, don't bother her. It's the middle of her workday. Well, finally, after about a half hour of me lying on the closet floor crying, my phone rings. I drag myself up. I run to get the phone and it's Ann. She says, Jamie, did you just call? I said, Ann, I was thinking of calling, but I didn't want to bother you. She says, but Jamie, my phone rang, and your name and number appeared on my caller ID. So it was obvious. Jean knew I needed to talk to her, so he called her for me, and he put my name and number on her caller ID. Well, this blew my mind. Now, a year later, I have a cough. And I think, I'm going to suffocate to death just the way Jean did. And I plead with him right then and there, Jean, I need you to do that phone trick again. Do the same trick like you did with Anne, but this time do it with my friend Donna. Call her number. Have my name and number appear on her caller ID. Sure enough, two seconds later, my phone rings. It's Donna. Did you call? I tell her the story. She says, Jamie, my phone rang. Your name and number appeared on my caller ID. Okay, so now I go to my writer's group, and I say to Gabe Davis, a devout atheist, I tell him the whole story, and he says to me, you know, I'd like to see that caller ID trick repeated, and this time I'd like to see whether your own phone shows a record of having been manipulated and being used to dial out, even though you didn't use the phone. So I forget what he says, and a month later, I'm due to meet him and his wife, Robin, for dinner, and I'm driving behind them when again I feel that tidal wave of love. I look at the clock. It's 4.58 again. I get to the restaurant. Gabe rushes up to me. He says, Jamie, you will not believe what happened. I said, what happened? He said, at 4.58, my cell phone rang. I looked at the caller ID. Your name and number was on the display. I picked the phone up, and a man's voice said, is Jamie there? Is Jamie there? He said the voice had an accent, and he extended the syllable there. He said, I I couldn't believe it. And I said, well, you know, my husband was French, and he did extend the syllable there. That's how it sounded. He said it wasn't a real call. The voice just faded away, and the call never clicked off. He said, go get your phone and see if it dialed me. I dig into the bottom of my purse, pull it out. I hadn't used it all day. Sure enough, it had dialed him at 4.58. So, all these over-the-top manifestations are being offered because Jean wants me to tell our story, to let the world know, to let you know, to let everybody listening know we don't die. And we are not meant to be disconnected from those we love. So, He said to me right after he left his body, Jamie, let our love shine like a torch that lights the path for others. So I want you to know that our story is really meant for you, to let you know that your loved ones are here with you too, and they're just waiting for you to open the door of your heart to them.
1: Wow, those are just some really miraculous stories. And I... I just can't get over that last one. I didn't, that one wasn't in your book. I
2: know. I know. And, and, <laughs> keep going. If you listen to Love Never Dies, it's, you know, Hay House Radio at 9 a.m. Pacific Time every Tuesday. I bring news stories all the time because obviously they've happened since Hay House published the book. And these are just a couple little examples, but, you know, I have many other examples in part one. But then we go to part two. Now this is really important because in part two, I talk about how you can overcome the false beliefs and the religious teachings that prevent many people from reconnecting, and I also talk about how it's even possible to communicate with those in spirit, which we were alluding to before. So the first obstacle everybody has to get over is the wrong belief that we're not supposed to stay in connection with loved ones in spirit. Now how do I know this is wrong? What we've been told is wrong. How do I know? My first night back from Italy, I was lying in the bed, and all I could hear was Jean speaking to me, and he's quoting something, but I don't know what it is. The next day, I went to his priest, and I told the priest, Jean's been talking to me, and he's quoting something. Now, the priest raises his brow in obvious skepticism, like he's thinking, this this babe has really rounded the bend, you know. But then, when I told him what Jean was saying, the priest blanched, he crossed himself, and he said, dear God, Jamie, At first, I didn't believe that Jean was talking to you, but I do now. And then he said to me, you are quoting an obscure biblical passage from the communion of saints. Like I would have known, I said I never read the Bible, never went to church. Jean and I didn't discuss religion. Now, it took me a year to understand why Jean chose to quote that and only that passage to me. Because he was a religious pioneer in life, and he continues to be in the afterlife. The communion of saints says that our loved ones in spirit are one with or in communion with God and the saints. And since we're supposed to stay in communion and communication with God and the saints, this means we are supposed to stay in communion and communication with our loved ones in spirit because they are one with God and the saints. So the point is, what we've been told about the afterlife is dead wrong if you'll pardon my pun, we are not meant to live in an emotional wasteland separated from those we love, waiting until we die and enter heaven, because as Jean told me, heaven is a state, not a place. Heaven is all around us, heaven is here and now, and this means we are supposed to reconnect now. Okay? wow. (laughs) It's very powerful. Now, the other misconception that is a total block for most people is that we're told, well, once they're in heaven, you won't hear from them anymore. So even when they concede, oh, you might hear from them for a little moment before they enter heaven, once they enter heaven, you won't hear from them. So how did Jean let me know that that also is dead wrong? I went back to Jean's priest. And I said to the priest, Jean continues to speak to me. And the priest said, well, once he's in heaven, you won't hear from him anymore. So this bugged me the whole day, right? It's bugging me. In the evening, I make the circle from a therapy group that I run in my home office. Everybody is late except one woman named Ashley, who's a new member of the group. The door is closed to my group room, and we're sitting in the room when all of a sudden I hear the door chime, from my front door opening because the burglar alarm makes a chime when the door opens and then I hear loud pounding footsteps. After the footsteps pound for a little bit, they stop and it sounds as though the person stopped in my waiting room. So I turn to Ashley and I say, gee, I think somebody got his time wrong because this is not an individual time, it's my group time. Now I hear the footsteps pounding in the opposite direction and then I hear the chime again as though the person is leaving. Now. I immediately jumped up to go and get that person and see what was going on. Now, my driveway is extremely long, and where you park your car is far from the front door. So in the time it took me to get to the front door, nobody could have gone from the front door down the long driveway to his or her car. It wouldn't happen. I open the door. There is nobody there. No car parked. I come back, and I tell my new patient what happened, and she just looks at me and says, it was a spirit, <laughs> so there was John's answer to, oh, yeah, once I'm in heaven, you won't hear from me? Did you hear the loud footsteps? See what I mean? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I know. So And so in part two, I also go over all the misconceptions beyond these, like, oh, you're opening the door to evil, or you can't move on with mm-hmm. your life, and all of these things. I talk about why they are they're not true, and then... I discussed the question that you were alluding to before. How is it even possible for us to communicate with those in spirit? And I explained that talking with loved ones in spirit is nothing more than energetic communication. And I I demystify this. I say, look, we energetically communicate all the time. We're born with this innate ability to do so. Think about it. When you park at a light and you look over at the driver in the neighboring car, doesn't that driver always look back at you? Because he or she senses the energetic frequency of your gaze and looks back. Right? Twins know when the other twin is in trouble, even when they live on opposite ends of the world. Energetic signals. Close couples know what the other is thinking. Energetic signals. And in fact, many prominent figures throughout history, from Socrates to Helen Keller, have reported having personal contact with spirits. Thomas Edison said in Scientific American, it's reasonable to conclude that those who have left this earth would like to communicate with those they have left here. And he said that he was working on this apparatus to enable this back and forth communication. He hadn't finished it when he died in 1931. And even the great scientist Albert Einstein, in his introduction to Upton Sinclair's book on telepathy called Mental Radio, he begged science to take this phenomenon seriously. Sigmund Freud wrote in 1921, quote, I'm quoting, "If I had my life to live over again, I should devote myself to psychical research rather than psychoanalysis." So, I go through all of this, that basically we're made to do it, we do it all the time anyway, and that really energetic communication with those in spirit is the same thing. We just send and receive energetic signals. So then we go to part three, and the part three of Love Never Dies is how you can establish your own connection with loved ones in spirit without the assistance of a channeler, a medium, or a psychic.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Now, the question I want to ask you is, you, mm-hmm. you talked about it a little bit in the beginning was, but why would we want to communicate with deceased love, loved ones? I mean, besides well, the obvious, you know, that we well, miss them. Well, there you go. You,
2: Be- we, not only do we want to, we need to. Now, and there's a whole continuum of why we need to, okay? First of all, if somebody's been stripped from your life and you've robbed of the chance to say goodbye to somebody... You know, bodily goodbye, you must be able to have that closure. Children who have lost parents and parents who have lost children, they need to reconnect and stay connected. The elderly who might not wish to form another primary connection need to reconnect and stay connected. But here, this other reason goes to debunking the misconceptions. There's a, an assumption that we have in the Western world of, oh, well, this will prevent you from moving on with your life. On the contrary, by reconnecting, you transform your grief to joy, which makes you reenter your life in a powerful way, whereas if you don't reconnect, you're so stuck in grief, you're lying on the couch, you're not in your life at all. <laughs> okay, So you reconnect, and you are more vibrantly in your life and you are present. Now another one another thing people often think and this is another really biggie is well you know if you reconnect if you if you reconnect you can't love uh others. You know you're you're tied up with those in spirit so there's no ability for you to form a new relationship. Well, this is like saying to a mother, you know, you've had one child and you love that child. You can't have any more because you can't love more than one child. It's ridiculous, right? Our hearts are made to love and we have enough room in our hearts to love all those who walk the earth and those who walk in spirit. And a spirit relationship is obviously a different kind of relationship, but it brings you so much joy and so much levity to your heart. You're much more able to be present and moving on with your life in of the earth plane than when you don't reconnect.
1: So could having a connection with your loved ones make your life easier in the sense of. In every way. Yeah. I feel like you're looking for relationships and your career and your home life.
2: Because also here's where we go into part three of love never dies. When you reconnect, you can reconnect not only to say goodbye, but also your loved ones in spirit are here to be your spirit guides. So they can, they will help you in ways that they couldn't help you when they lived in a body. So, I'm gonna talk more about that in a few minutes because let me just talk a little bit more about how you can reconnect. Okay? Okay, go right ahead. Alright. So, so as I said, we're born with this innate ability. And communicating with our loved ones is nothing more than tuning your brain to what I call the spirit channel, right? So Jean showed me how to do this, and then in Love Never Dies, I show you how to do what he showed me. So the first way that we do this is we have to create what I call a state of receptivity. Okay? He said to me, Jamie, the noise of the day drowns me out, and anytime you want to hear me, come to the bed and be still and quiet. And that was it. So I show you in this chapter how to sit in silence, how to turn off the TV and the music, and then how to find which peaceful practices work for you, whether it's yoga, tai chi, qigong. I also show you how to use the breath because spirit is born on the breath. So I have some breathing exercises that help you access spirit. I show you how to surrender to all your emotional states, but don't get too upset because a lot of times, especially early in grief, when we're too upset, It acts like an atmospheric storm, and it blocks the sending and the receiving of signals, energetic signals. So I show you how to walk that tightrope where you're open, but you're not so upset that you block. And then I show you how to use twilight or hypnagogic states, which is that state right before you go to sleep or right before you wake up and even how to use nature to nudge you into the reconnection. And then I have some really fun exercises for helping you open up all your five senses. And remember, because spirits are pure energy, they're able to energetically send signals to all your senses. So the more your sensory receiver is turned on, the easier it's going to be for you to perceive the signs that are being sent your way. Okay, so now speaking of signs, the next chapter in Part 3 of Love Never Dies is recognizing the signs. Because most people will say to me in the beginning, I'm not getting any signs. And then when I lay out a list of all the signs that our loved ones are sending to us all the time, Everybody invariably says to me, oh, that happened to me and so did this and that. So again, freed from the human vessel, spirit beings are able to influence the material world in infinite ways. The signs are endless, sounds, animals behaving oddly like the chipmunk, odd sensations, drafts, temperature changes, chills, goose flesh, symbolic communications like butterflies and And they also will often manifest coins that were minted on a year that has significance to you and to that being. Now, here's a good example of that with the coins. I have a patient named Kyla, and I told her, you know, this is the anniversary week of Jean's bodily death. And what he does on this week is he always gives me coins that were minted on the year he left his body. Now, Kyla blinks, and she says to me, oh, my gosh, Jamie, I almost forgot. You see these cowboy boots I'm wearing? She said, last week they were off and they were in the middle of the room in my bedroom when I saw a quarter careening from the ceiling and it landed in the boot and I got the message that it was meant for you. She says, let me give it to you. So as she's going to get her boot, she turns the boot upside down and plops the coin in my hand. I hear Jean say, you'll see, it was minted on the year I left my body. I get my glasses and it was. Okay. (laughs) So... (laughs) Becoming aware of the signs is often sufficient to begin the process of reconnecting for most people. But now here's where love never dies. Take spirit communication to an entirely new place. Here I'm showing you how you can dialogue with the departed to reconnect, to obtain guidance, and most especially to heal any unfinished business and even make peace. Now, spirits will dialogue with us in many ways. So in addition to communicating with us through dreams and mind melding, they also communicate with us using signs. Now, signs are usually a static form of communication where they like drop a sign on us and then we observe it. But we can also engage in a back and forth dialogue between us and spirit using these signs or what I call earthly props. So let me give you an example of the difference between static signs and a back and forth communication. So on the anniversary week of Jean's bodily death this year, I went to my chiropractor and Teresa was at the reception desk. We were alone in the office and I told her I'm giving my first public talk on Love Never Dies and at that moment I smelled gardenias. I did not say a word. She then said to me, Jamie, do you smell gardenias? So I said, Teresa, that's the scent of sanctity. Jean is giving us both a sign that he's here. Now, the next day, I saw a patient who needed to reconnect with her sister in spirit. And I told her the story about the scent of gardenias. And at that moment, I heard Jean saying to me, I wish I could give you a bouquet of roses. Now, he was dialoguing with me by inducing that thought in my mind. Now, here is how... He dialogued with me using this patient as an open vessel. She abruptly sat up and she said, Jamie, do you smell roses? (laughs) So you see, he talked to me through her and said, I'm making her smell the roses so that you know I her, that you heard me right when I said I wish I could give you a bouquet of roses, okay? So he used her to facilitate a back-and-forth dialogue between us, right, and also bolstering her confidence in her ability to hear spirit while reaffirming that I heard him right. Now, I want to give you another really cool example of how we can dialogue with spirit using people who are these open vessels, that is, people who are willing and open to be used in the service of love. My friend Anne was taking me to dinner one night, and before she arrived, I said to Jean, Jean, it feels like you're coming home to me because she allows you to speak through her. Two seconds later, she opens my front door, and she says, honey, I'm home. (laughs) Now she (laughs) claps a hand over her mouth and says, I'm sorry I made such an insensitive Joke. And I said, no, this wasn't an insensitive joke. Jean was dialoguing with me through you. He heard me say, it feels like you're coming home to me. And then he answered me by having you say, honey, I'm home. Okay. Now we're in the restaurant. Anne, you have to know, wouldn't cry if her kid was hit by a bus. The next thing I know, she looks like that chipmunk. She's got a glazed expression over her, come over her. She, and now I see tears coming out of her eyes. And she says, you look so beautiful tonight, I wish I had a camera. Now, that's what Jean used to say to me privately when we would go out to dinner. Nobody knew this. So he was using her to dialogue with me to communicate a very private message. Now, in the last couple of weeks, Jean has also been dialoguing with me through a very open vessel named J.C. Gold, a guy who illustrates people in your life. He doesn't even know you and then he just starts drawing them. Now here's an example of how he used J.C. Gold as an open vessel and how he dialogued with me through an earthly prop. So J.C. told me that he was sitting with his hands on his lap and he was about to write to me when he heard Jean say, send Jamie a picture of the peach rose. Now Jean gave me roses every week, and he always gave me peach-colored roses. The next thing JC knows, his computer all by itself opens up a menu of his wife's professional photo gallery, and a photo of a peach rose opens all by itself with his hands in his lap, okay? And he says, then the caption of the photo opens up, and it says, Peaches and cream." The day before, J.C. wrote me and said, Jean says, your time is now. And I wrote J.C. back, and I said, Jean used to always tell me the cream rises to the top. So this photo was Peaches, cream. (laughs) That's amazing. So is dialogue with us through open vessels, earthly props, and they can easily interrupt electronic devices that's the most common earthly prop that they use to communicate with us now here's a great example of this so right after he left his body i'm crying and i say to him John, how can everybody say that i look like a a glowing wonder i'm glowing i'm glowing i'm glowing, when i'm crying all the time and i hear him say brides glow jamie we're newlyweds in the new spiritual phase of our relationship At this moment, an email comes in. I open up the email, and it's from a very, what I think, open vessel, a man who is disabled, and he had written to me a month before asking me if the review I had posted on the Internet for a mattress was legit, did I really like the mattress. And at the time, I said to the guy, yeah, it's legit, but I really can't speak to you. My husband just left his body. So on this night, Right after Jean says to me, we're newlyweds in the new spiritual phase of our relationship, an email comes through from this man. And he writes to me, I thought you would like to see a photograph of my beloved bird named Jamie. Now, that was already wild enough because Jean and I had a bird named Fluffy, and we we loved birds. We had this lovely pet bird. So I open the picture, and it's a bird. But underneath that picture, I see there's another photo attachment. I open that photo attachment and I nearly keel over. It is a photo of the Arc de Triomphe in Paris. Where did Jean and I go on our honeymoon? Paris. Where did our hotel overlook? The Arc de Triomphe. So Jean was sending me this message through the earthly prop, this electronic device, the email, saying, I told you we were newlyweds. I immediately write back to this guy and I say, do you know why you sent me this second photo that you made no reference to? I never heard back from that man again, and I am convinced that he didn't even exist, that Jean somehow used the earthly prop, the electronic device of my machine, to put that message through to me. It was a miracle. So, And when we don't understand it, we know it's of the divine. So here's my point. We can dialogue to say goodbye if someone was ripped from us due to sudden illness or accidental death, to support us as we travel down the bumpy road we call life, to assist us in completing our spiritual development and also to get guidance. But what if you're one of the millions of people who harbor some unfinished business with someone in spirit? Well, now Love Never Dies shows you how you can dialogue to heal your unfinished business. And so what we do is, in part three of Love Never Dies, I show you how to enter a trance. Then we do my meditation for making contact. And then we dialogue back and forth. And we do this in writing or using a tape recorder and the good news this is a really happy part of this often we have to wait until someone's left his or her body to work it out because in spirit form they are more evolved and in spirit form they see how they screwed up with us and how i learned this was the first week after Jean left his body i had to take the car into the garage Debbie, who I did not know, I introduced myself because Jean did the car thing. And I say, Jean left his body, and I'm here to do the car thing. She says to me, I'm a widow too. At that moment, I heard her deceased husband coming through, and he says to me, tell her to stop making the same mistake that I did with our son because now she's creating the same power struggle. Ah, she breaks into tears and says, it's true. It's true. But it showed me her husband had to leave his body to see where he was screwing up. But there's one more thing. They actually need our help to help them evolve spiritually. So I found this out on Good Friday. Jean led me to the bird lady. I didn't know her except that she had tried to help us save our little pet bird and we weren't successful. I didn't know anything about her, but he said I had to go see her on this Good Friday. So I go. I walk in the door, and there's a cage right near the door, and she shows me this Gouldian finch. And she says, that bird is going to be dead by nightfall because the bird hasn't eaten all day, and it's so small. If it doesn't get food in it by the end of the day, it will be dead. I asked her, may I help the bird? May I try? She says, go ahead. So I go over to the cage. I lean my cheek against the bars. And normally a bird would freak out that you're that close, but this bird did not freak. And then I say to the bird, I want you to go down to that seed bowl and start eating right away. The bird instantly listens to me, goes down, starts scarfing up seeds like a little mini vacuum. And the next thing I know, the bird is looking good, jumping around and chirping. But I am aware that there is a spirit presence in the room. And it's, I think, Lainey's mother saying, I'm sorry, I was such a weakling and I didn't protect you. So I say this to Lainey, and she says, oh, my gosh, my mother always used to use that expression, I'm such a weakling. Now I look at the bird and the bird is looking sick again and it's not eating and it's craning its neck upward and I realize something's wrong here. The bird is sensing another spirit presence and that's what's been making the bird sick. So I say to the bird, ignore this spirit, go eat again and I'll take care of it. Now I feel my eyes being pulled to the ceiling to where there's this purple witching ball and I get confused. Why am I seeing this? Well, I realize that the spirit of her father was pulling my eyes there. It's called Claire Sentience, drawing me to pay attention to it so I would talk about it. And I asked her, did I give you that ball? Because I knew I owned one at one time. Did I give you mine? She says, no, I bought it for protection. So now I hear her father say, You don't need protection from me. You must face me. I'm begging you to face me and confront me for how I sexually molested you. And I need you to do this in order for me to evolve, and you need to do it in order for you to get over the trauma of what I did to you. So that's when I realized the dialoguing that we need to do is not only for us, it's for them as well. Okay? Wow,
1: that is that's very profound. And, you know, I I can vouch for everything that you're saying because, you know, on my own journey, a lot of these things started to happen, but I didn't have the language or I didn't have kind of the laid out tool. Like I would start to see signs and I thought I saw something. And then mm-hmm. I, re- I remember on my wedding day, like just hugging my priest and feeling like, just so comforted by him and then later on realizing that that was my mother but I didn't know anything like I didn't and he hear was an open, open vessel for your mom yeah and they... I never yeah and I didn't hear those words open vessels and and then this, just, just I mean not too long ago it was just like last year I started to see coins everywhere and then then I started to understand that so I, what I really enjoy about your book is that I feel like it explains what's going on and it affirms Things that I'm sure that many of the people that are listening who have had lost ones, um, it, it just affirms that like you're not you're not going crazy. <laughs> that there's That's this that it's so of true because really I'm getting happening.
2: letters. I'm getting calls on Hay House Radio and letters from people all over the world weeping to me of ingratitude. I thought I was crazy. You know, I was Mm -hmm. hiding this because I thought I was nuts. And then they say, when I hear you revealing this or I read you revealing this, I feel so much peace. I mean, you can't even believe. I get floods of letters about this particular point that you're making and the relief that people are describing of, I wasn't crazy. I wasn't imagining it. I'm not nuts you know
1: yeah and the two things that really stick out for me that you have um you know really addressed is this aspect of you know there's unfinished business and that when our loved ones go into the spirit world they're they're in an evolved consciousness and that we can rely on them i mean that was like when i i heard that in an interview and i was like oh my god because Part of my story was that I was so attached to my mom's suffering of what she experienced in this lifetime. And yeah. when, I, when I learned that, I was like, okay, if that's true, then help me. You know, and I just said, help me. And all these miraculous things happened. And it was just so amazing because in a meditation that I did, my mom came through and it was I was actually doing it with someone else. And she said, mm-hmm. all those signs that you're getting, yes, mm-hmm. they are for me because you've given me permission. Absolutely. And, and then my father came through and I've never had my father really come through. And, and the message was different. It was, yeah, this issue that you're having in your life, it's, it's a lineage thing. And I'm, I'm evolving in that area too. And we're going to do it together and I'm going to help there you. you. There you go. And so, so, there you know, you what go. you're saying is so true. Like I've experienced it in my own life. And, so my next, I guess, question for you, I mean, we don't have much more time, so I don't think we can actually walk through the meditation. Um, but I do just want to ask you. you know, oh, I'm you
2: so sorry. <laughs>
1: no, something. no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I mean, everybody can just get the book and they can also um, tap into the it. The meditation's your, you know, in there, your, yeah. Your, yeah, yeah. But where where do you start? You know what I mean? What if it's? You know, with somebody, let's say, who just has never had an open vessel experience, has not seen any signs, they're just really not noticed anything, but for some reason they're drawn to this interview, and, and they have loved ones that maybe they feel like something's coming up for them and it's time for them to connect.
2: The thing you know, is, what you want to do is you want to just be open because you, you can allow the mystery to unfold by just not believing everything you've been told. That's the most important Know that just because a priest said it, the priest is just a religious technician repeating what he was told to say. And that doesn't mean it's true. So allow yourself to be open to all the miraculous ways that your loved ones in spirit come through to you. And I want to also say that, that, you know, obviously we're all put here on earth to. our ability to love ourselves and others this is our love lab right and our relationships are our love lab and our loved ones in spirit have a profound ability to help us fast-track our self-love because most of us don't love ourselves well enough I mean I'm, I'm living proof of this most shrinks come from crazy families I'm no exception both my parents abused me verbally and physically and in spite of all of Jean's love for me on the earth plane he was so frustrated because he could never really help me heal to the point where my self-esteem and my self-love was where it should have been. And after he left his body, I was in my professional group in the city, and I was bemoaning the fact that my parents' mean voices still tear me down in my head, and I just can't get rid of it in spite of all the work and all of Jean's love. And they said to me, well, just yell louder. Let us yell louder. This never worked. So I go home, and Jean appears to me in an apparition he's surrounded in golden light he takes my face in his hands he turns turns me toward him in the light and all he says is listen 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 to me and in that moment i felt all of the love that he has for me pouring into me because now that he was freed now that he is freed from the vessel of the human body The spirit of him and his love can enter me unimpeded. And in that moment, I was instantly filled with his love for me, which was now my self-love. So our fast track to self-love is to reconnect with our loved ones in spirit. Now they are here to help us heal every corner of our soul, to fill our well with love. And that well that is now filled with love is what we bring to the world. And it doesn't Uh, deplete us, we're just...
1: That's it, yeah, that is so incredibly beautiful, and that was you know the ending of your book that really I just found was was so true, you know that this this sense of when we lose loved ones in the Western world, it's almost like as if we're incomplete or we're full, but you bring to light and you share that in fact, it's like we have extra support, you know, yes, it's like we have this extra tool available Absolutely. to us to give us that wholeness, that true, Absolutely. authentic wholeness Absolutely. of self-love.
2: So. And you actually end up, you have more people pulling for you and here to help you and heal you and heal your unfinished yeah. business, heal your everything. So it is something, just if you can just, just accept that everything you've been told about the afterlife is dead wrong, don't buy into everything you've been told. Your heart knows what love is. Be open to all the ways in which your loved ones and spirit are reaching out to you in love and allow that mystery to unfold. And then Love Never Dies will show you how to really bone up on your innate abilities to tune to spirit channel, become more receptive, recognize the signs, and then ultimately dialogue. And just to get guidance or heal unfinished business, whatever you need, they're there for you.
1: I can't think of a better way to, you know, just to bring this interview to a close because that is ultimately, I think, what everybody wants in life is just to really feel love, to be fully expressed and to, to enjoy life the way that we're meant to. And um, having this access to to having this extra divine support, as you talk about, definitely changed my life. And I know it's going to change everything. Any Anybody who's listening to this knows it's going to change your life. And to have the tools that, you know, Dr. Love shares with in her book, Love Never Dies, it's just, it's like a roadmap. It's a fast track to connection. And, um, you know, I don't think that there's any other way to find happiness than through connection. So that's
2: exactly so right. <laughs> thank you so Absolutely. much for your time. And, oh, wait, sign up for my yes. free newsletter at askdrlove.com and you, you will receive, a a little free excerpt of Love Never Dies just to get you started. A lot of people do that while they're waiting for the book to be shipped to them. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely do that. And that's how I got started, too, and then I had to wait for the book to come out. But I had your show show to kind of hold me over in the meantime. um, And, you know, I know that this wasn't easy for you to come out and that you were actually trained. In a, you know the Western modality of psychotherapy, so i I really want to honor you for having the courage to step out and share oh. share your ministry with the world, as you call it
2: oh, thank you so much. you're such a love, and I'll never forget you because when we were in New York at the I can do it conference, you were so sweet you brought me a cup of tea. I'll never forget <laughs> <here. laughs>
1: oh yeah, I mean obviously this is everything's connected so <laughs> Maybe John and my parents brought us together, who knows. But um, Actually, that's I'm very
2: just... true because every night, Jean would always say to me, for our 27 years together, Jamie, would you like a cup of tea? And I always ah! said no. <laughs> <laughs> I I like, there you go. I guess I was an open mouth. <laughs> no. But he never stopped asking then that's a good example. They're here to keep offering you that cup of tea, and maybe one day you'll drink. I drank the tea that you gave me.
1: <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. So like I said, keep shining your light. Everybody, go to um, www.drlove.com to receive all these beautiful jewels. And um, thank you again for your time.
2: Nice talking to you, Sveta.
1: All right, bye-bye. This is a